Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. And these books are available at the uh, philosophicalangle.com. And if you'd like to make comment or inquire, make suggestions, uh, free to email us at contact at the philosophicalangle.com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host, Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has MBAs from Wharton and Tufts. And, and uh, Rick is an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you, Rick. And you. Purpose of the Philosophical Angle program is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media. And uh, recent, well, throughout uh, a number of years now, we uh, we constantly hear the the leftist Democrats calling names of the uh, of the Republicans, and typically you hear uh, the words such as racist. So what do you say when uh, a leftist calls you uh, such names as deplorable, fascist, hateful, bigoted, racist, uncompassionate, and so on? Uh, it's, they've got quite a litany of, of uh, suggestions of, uh, of our nature. And, uh, and it's, but, it, you know, you, you sit back and you, you look, uh, it's, we're all fallible. Uh, we all have sinned, and no one's perfect. Uh, so, so what do you do? Uh, the answer is that y you have to call them something. You have to have a retort of some kind. So I'd like to suggest that um, we call them un-American. And um, so in order for us to call them un-American, I think we need to uh, prepare ourselves with, a, with an argument why uh, why they are un-American. Of course, we're fallible, we're human, so um, so some of us are deplorable, and uh, I'm a, a bit deplorable at times. And um, so, uh, so what is being American? What is the nature of America? And uh, so how would, uh, how could we discover this? Where can we look to find the, the values of, uh, of, uh, of being American? And I, I think the best place to, to start is the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, which uh, gave us uh, really the most concise listing of the values of, of being American. And uh, as Thomas Jefferson said, and uh, he was influenced by uh, the philosopher John Locke, uh, that... Uh, our values are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So let's examine the, the nature of these three concepts and, um, and see what we come up with. And uh, thus the, uh, the first value is, is life. So where do we start, where do we start uh, there and, and into understanding uh, this concept? And I'd like to suggest that the first dictum of life is that all life all all of life all 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 entities want to live and seek goodness continually and uh i think this is overwhelmingly obvious 
Uh, I think that with this concept, we we don't need to uh, look to our biological or spiritual meaning of life. I think we can uh, go directly to the uh, to the economic meaning of uh, of life, because I think we're 90% economic beings. And uh, that brings us really to the first law of, uh, of economics, of what I think is the first law of economics, and, and, and that is that we humans seek and continue. It's a, it's a, derivative, uh, a derivative of the first dictum. Uh, we humans uh, seek and continue uh, to seek that which is good for ourselves. And uh, so once life has, has acquired the, some goodness for itself, this goodness acquisition doesn't stop there. It continues. It continues for the life of the person. It continues for all humans. And uh, if someone can acquire more goodness, that person will do so. And uh, this would explain why uh, humans not only acquire that which will bring them to a level of subsistence, but will continue to seek the acquisition of of continued goodness to bring them up uh, to higher levels, uh, to even be wealthy, and uh, and and more. There is no end to the amount of goodness that that we humans seek, and it can be not only in wealth, but it can be spiritually, and it can be uh, intellectually, and uh, we always seek that which will accrue to our benefit. So. Now we move on to the, the second uh, concept, and which is liberty. And I think another word for that would be freedom. And so let's define freedom. And freedom is the creation of one's priorities and then the execution of those priorities. And in order for us to, uh, to understand this, we need, now need to define what a priority is. And a priority is a, is a piece of knowledge by which we're able to order our lives. We pick and choose our likes and dislikes, which we need uh, for the purpose to, to bring order to our lives. And the, uh, the origin of a priority comes from, the, from two types of stimuli uh, that comes to our consciousness. And there, there are two types, one exterior uh, originating and ones that originate uh, from inside of you. And... Uh, the external obviously comes from our environment to our consciousness and and internally it comes from our body to our consciousness and and this stimuli is called information and when our consciousness attaches an importance to our to these bits of information um, we get a priority and that's called a piece of knowledge and we take this uh, priority which are our prior we, we uh, which are is our knowledge and we order our lives and uh, we can execute these priorities and make uh, decisions and carry out our daily lives and um, and we do this with um, and when we do this without external coercion that is from the priorities of others then we have freedom and uh, the third concept we need to define is Jefferson's the pursuit of happiness. And the pursuit of happiness comes from the freedom of adhering to the, 
the law of the uh, unlimited demand for the good. But there is a second dimension to uh, life, liberty, and uh, the pursuit of happiness that uh, we need to discuss here. It's uh, is that we're not individuals alone in, in in out in the wilderness, and so we're in a society with individuals with whom we cooperate at least uh, to some extent, and so uh, we want to cooperate in order to produce the goods and services for ourselves and our families, which brings us up away from misery, which is uh, the essence of all that is good. And uh, so we want to cooperate with others because we realize that we are more efficient in being together and cooperating than we do it separately. All you have to do is look at a, an assembly line for uh, as a good example of of why that uh, of why that works, and so that that efficiency is is what drives us for uh, uh, to become uh, cooperative. So uh, so we will um, so it, just by being in a society, uh, we will occasionally come across circumstances in which priorities come into conflict with others, with the priorities of others. And an example and, and, and an example of this would be when you're applying for a job and it's the same job that somebody else wants. So there you are with two people applying for the same job and that's called competition. And uh, we all know about competition. Um, but we need to understand what the nature of, comp of competition is and its definition uh, in order to understand the, the concept of the pursuit of happiness because it's the pursuit of happiness within a society that leads, it, leads us to competition. Well, competition is the convergence and divergence of priorities. So I think we already know what the convergence, convergence of priorities uh, is the situation by which the same prior you have the same priority as somebody else, which presents us with with competition to obtain the uh, the same things that somebody else wants. And uh, as we uh, just mentioned, uh, we just uh, for example with two people vying for the same job. Um, you have, a, or you, or you have a group of buyers striving for the same product, or uh, such as a number of uh, buyers trying to buy the same stock equity. If the number of buyers are many and the number of sellers are few, then competition results, and and it's an increase in the value of the stock price. Everybody, everybody pretty much knows about this. And uh, so anyway, you know about the. We know about the convergence of, of priorities, um, which is competition, but it's the divergence that is of great interest here. It's the second half of competition. And this is the uh, portion of competition that brings us into the existence of competition as a, as a role, as a, as a concept in economics, because divergence means when entities know that when they're in competition, that they uh, they know that it's in it's bad for their economic health, and so their uh, their well-being economically is 
is uh, inhibited. So what happens is that uh, companies and, and, and really any of life entities try to diverge from this primary priority. And uh, the job seeker will uh, seek many jobs. The stock buyer will look to not only one stock but to but to others in the same industry to see if that there's an equivalent or better opportunity that that might present itself. And companies that are in competition with others, they'll make a divergence a priority. And so that the company will make, as a result, the company will make new products and and construct and generate and create new attributes to its products that will diversify. And so uh, they can divert from being into direct competition with others. And the result is that you get a complete differentiation of products in a marketplace automatically. And it's due to the law of differentiation, which comes from the essence of competition and uh, from that divergence of priorities. And, it, and uh, so now we have a, a basic understanding of what it is to, to be American which is to adhere to the, the attributes of, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, so now we can look at what a liberal says to a conservative in that he's a, an exemplar of all the frailties and sins that humans create and do. And of course, we have to admit that we are sinners, that we all have detractions, so when liberals point out that we are deplorable, uh, or they point out that we're despicable and at times we're uncompassionate, uh, so what do we do? So uh, we're, but we are to know that uh, we are more American than they are. And so why is that? We are more American than they are because they, as the democratic left, tend to choose less freedom for the individual. They tend to interdict the law of unlimited demand for the good. And they tend to work toward interdicting competition. And if you interdict and impede competition, then you're impeding that divergence of, of those who are creating goods and services. And if you are impeding the law of differentiation um, and you impede this divergence of new products and services, then you're impeding the creation of, uh, of knowledge that goes along with making these new goods and services. And, and, uh, and therefore, you impede the actual first dictum of life, that all life seeks that which is good for it. And, and as a result, you would impede all the great products and services that have been produced by the medical industry, the food industry, the travel industry, the housing industry, and all the other industries uh, that, that bring goodness into our lives and bring us up away from misery. And, and we know that these progressive liberals interdict this process because they, they seek to enhance the purpose of the federal government first to solve the problems of society. And government uses coercion 
in the enforcement of more and more regulations and, and laws which act as anti-knowledge and uh, they impede this progress uh, toward life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and, and that is what is un-American. So let me stop talking and let's ask Rick to see what he, what he thinks about this. What do we uh, what do we do when when a liberal calls this uh, deplorable or despicable? Well, let me, let me start with this. I, I would I would describe Thomas Jefferson and the founders as a product of uh, enlightenment, um, which draws on two great traditions: um, Judeo-Christian tradition and um, the Greco-Roman classical tradition of virtue, um, and that was understood. These both these great traditions are, you know, have principles that uh, are meant to apply to all people under all circumstances. Uh, that serve as a guide for uh, everyone in life. Um, I think the left today. Uh, would, would consider, uh, they might not admit it, uh, but in practice they consider the civil rights leg legislation of the, of the 60s as um, the source of the binding principles that are to be applied across all societal problems today. And that is one way of understanding how they behave. They call conservatives racist because it works. And the civil rights legislation has empowered them with certain principles that they've obviously extended way beyond uh, what they're originally intended to do, um, such that uh, they have introduced this concept of um, ethnic specialization, ethnic um, identity, um, if, you, if you look across the universities, if you look across hiring, if you look at, across numerous regulations, you see this emphasis on race, on status, on entitlements. All of this stuff uh, grew out of the civil rights legislation. It's not nowhere in the Constitution. It's certainly not in the Declaration of Independence. And it has literally nothing to do with the great uh, traditions that animated the Enlightenment. Um, I think in Saul Alinsky, they found, uh, in addition to that, uh, a means of weaponizing their uh, project uh, in order to quell opposition. So the case in point would be corporate America, right? Uh, corporate America doesn't want to be uh, embarrassed they're basically fearful. And so by employing some of the Alinsky principles of insulting left and right and exposing and uh, uh, the hyperbole associated with all of that, uh, they have successfully cowed uh, corporate America into abiding by most, if not all of their principles, whether it concerns, you know, the, the absurd uh, obsession with diversity uh, at the expense of everything else, with uh, 
the absurd obsession with uh, ethnic rep representation uh, above and beyond who's actually qualified to do the work. Um, all of this stuff has been taken to such an extreme uh, and so successfully that you, you have to ask, why would they stop doing it? It's worked and it continues to work. The only way to fight it, the only way to turn it back or even just slow it down, because I don't think you can point to any instances in which the conservatives have actually reversed this trend, they've slowed it down a bit, uh, is to expose rigorously with the use of facts what the consequences are. Uh, so let us consider the inner cities of the United States. Uh, nearly every one of them is run by Democrats and has had some form of progressive policy in place for years and years and years. And look at the condition of most of them. It's horrific. That needs to be brought to light. Those facts need to be exposed. Those failures need to be exposed. And they get very little attention. Why? Because if you say anything, you're, you're labeled a racist. So the answer in my mind is to expose the facts, uh, welcome the label, and carry on. Right. So immediately in response to uh, if you're at a cocktail party and someone says, ah, you're deplorable, what's your response? I'm deplorable because I'm seeking the truth. Okay. And uh, the truth shall set you free, I guess. Indeed. Okay. That's the price of being deplorable. Right. Where do you think America will go from here? Will it become more liberal, more de and more divided? Or do you think there's hope to return to uh, an equity of... No, I think we're seeing before our very eyes um, a regionalization of the United States of the sort we haven't seen since the Civil War. And this uh, crisis has now made um, choosing your region easier than ever. So, for example, the fact that you can do a lot of your work remotely means that you can still work for Microsoft and live in Utah, okay? You don't have to live in Seattle. You can choose, you can choose the regulatory framework under which you can live. And those regulatory frameworks and the educational systems uh, associated with them are diverging day by day. Uh, I mean, there was a, there's a famous case in Seattle that uh, came to light recently whereby uh, the school board voted to give all the kids A's um, for reasons of equity, whatever that means. It certain, that certainly doesn't mean assets minus liabilities. So are you, predicting, are you predicting a dichotomy that will grow amongst the, uh, the, the electorate? Will, will, some will, uh, will move to low tax states and uh, and others will uh, uh, stay where they are, and there'll be some will go to conservative colleges, some will go to liberal colleges, yes. Yes. and so the divide will will increase in the future. 
Yes, dramatically. Very interesting. Okay. Thanks, Rick, for that, and uh, we'll see everybody else on the uh, next week on another episode of The Philosophical Angle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.